All right, well, good morning. Um, <clears throat> we're going to return to our studies in uh, the book of First Thessalonians this morning, but first let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord God, um, thanks for uh, your word and for the instruction that you have given us. Um, thanks that your word is good um, and that you teach us uh, the right things, Lord, that you uh, call us to live um, in your ways um, and that those ways are best. Uh, Lord, I pray as we uh, read your word this morning, Lord, and as I speak from it, that uh, you would guide our thoughts um, and guide uh, what is being said, Lord, so that uh, we can uh, grow in the knowledge um, and service of you. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> All right, well, as I said, we're continuing in our studies in 1 Thessalonians this morning. Uh, this morning we're studying 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 to 12. Um, so if you haven't read that, please do open up uh, your Bibles and, uh, and read that passage. Um, and like I, said, like I said last time, if uh, I'm going to now move on um, on the assumption that you've already read the passage. <clears throat> Um, so let's get started. Um, our dog uh, is an outside dog. He has been all his life. Um, all of his 14 years, uh, he's uh, been an outside dog. and, and um, uh, But we do <clears throat> let him sleep inside um, at night uh, in the laundry. Um, he uh, is very arthritic now, and it's uh, uh, a lot easier for him to... Um, sleep where it's a little bit warmer, especially in these colder nights that we're getting these days. Um, but of course that means that every morning and evening I have to uh, get him out of bed um, and put him outside or, or put him inside in the evening. Um, and I tell you what, our dog is pretty headstrong. He, um, he does not like it when I put him outside. Um, he uh, Normally we get along pretty well. Um, <clears throat> He's always he's he's Beck's dog um, from when they were very young, um, but he's he gets on all right with me. Um, but certainly, uh, when he when I make him do what he doesn't want to do, uh, in those moments he very much hates me. Um, and and I think we are much the same, aren't we? Um, we we hate being told what we have to do, where we where we are to go, what we have to do, and um, we just want to do whatever we want. Uh, our desires are the most important things to us as as humans. That's natural to us. That's um, human nature. Um, but of course, a lot of the time, what we desire um, and what other people desire and what God desires are very different things. Um, and so we have to balance these ideas, um, these desires, these wants, and we have to prioritize um, how we are going to decide what to do in any given situation. Are we going to do what we want? Are we going to do what other people want? Or are we going to do what God wants? Um, and this that's, that's what this passage is dealing with this morning. Um, it's dealing with uh, how we decide what we're going to do um, with regards to work and sex. <clears throat> and we're going to study... Um, this passage under three topics this morning. We're going to look at um, how we approach our own desires, how we approach 
others' desires and how we approach God's desires. Um, and so the first point this morning is be master of your own desires. Paul talks about um, in this passage, as I said, what we desire um, when it comes to sex and work. Um, and these are topics which are really important in our culture. I'm sure I don't need to tell you how much uh, our culture desires um, sexual gratification, desires, um, wants to do work in a, in a proper way as well. Um, these things are, are in many ways the be-all and end-all in our society. Um, so much of our culture works to meet our desires to uh, find sexual fulfillment, works to find our desire, uh, fulfill our desire um, to do what we want with our time, to be lazy or to, um, to uh, extend, <clears throat> um, to uh, do what we want um, and to uh, um. <clears throat> uh, sorry about that. <clears throat> um, so much of our, our culture is, is designed to meet these desires and so much of the internet um, is explicitly designed to help you um, experience sexual pleasure, to help you be lazy. Um, but God calls us, Paul calls us in this passage to be masters over our desires. Um, firstly, desire, master over our sexual desires. Um, in the culture in Thessalonica, um, in, in many ways it was very similar to our culture. There was a lot of uh, sex around, sexual imagery, um, sexual experience made up a lot of the uh, worship, the idolatry culture in that, in that place. I mean, in our culture too, of course, as well, sex um, is considered a primal desire. It's um, almost put on this pedestal of like, alongside uh, food and, and water, we need sex as well. Um, of course, we don't need um, these sorts of things, but we don't need sex um, in the same way that we need food and water. But it's um, considered in this way as something that is in, innate in what it means to be human, is that we desire these things. We, des we uh, are told that we need gratification of our passions, our attractions, um, our fantasies, uh, things that we should seek to live out. And so, of course, our culture makes so many ways for us to find pleasure, as I said, in, in the internet or even in person. Um, these things are, are uh, work uh, uh, the the world works to make these things a reality in our lives. <clears throat> but but what does Paul say here? He says, avoid sexual immorality. Learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honourable, not in passionate lusts. We need to be masters over our sexual desires. We should not be ruled uh, by our sex drive. And that goes for you, whether you're married or whether you're unmarried. Paul says you need to control your body. You need to control your body over uh, your, your passions, your lusts. 
<clears throat> um, and during our day-to-day -day lives as well, Paul talks about um, how we should be controlling our bodies. Uh, uh, the Thessalonian Christians um, were quite lazy people, it seems, from uh, from Second Thessalonians. Uh, we read in Second Thessalonians three, Paul calls them busybodies. Um, they were people um, who uh, didn't want to work um, in in a lot of their lives, um, and so they would rely on on people around them to provide them with a living um, while they just sort of sat around and uh, and um, poured forth their opinions across the world uh, across uh, they wanted to be the center of attention um, they didn't want to work though um, and of course in our culture as well we uh, seek to um, do as little work as possible and get paid as much as possible there's, that's sort of the the pinnacle of, of work in our culture is to not do not do work but to get paid anyway um, and we many of us also want to be the center of attention we want to just air our opinions put them out all over the world uh, put put them out so that everyone can hear what uh, we have to say um, and again how much of our culture uh, puts uh, puts work into, puts effort into making these things a reality. Um, you think about social media, you think about uh, uh, games and TVs and, and that sort of thing, as good as these things are in many ways, in, in, in used in the right ways, um, they are designed, explicitly designed, to help you waste time. But Paul, again, calls us to be masters over our laziness. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Mind your own business and work with your hands. And so Paul, so in both of these areas, Paul calls us to be masters over our own desires. Um, but not only that, he's, he secondly, point number two, he calls us to be mindful of others' desires. Mindful of others' desires. We are called to put others' desires before our own. Um, look there in verse uh, in verse nine. Paul talks about um, how the Thessalonians don't need to be told by, uh, don't need to be written anything about love, brotherly love, because uh, they have been taught by God to love one another. But even then, Paul says in verse ten, "Do this more and more." Excuse me. <clears throat> uh, Paul commands them to uh, even grow in their love above and beyond what they were already doing, uh, and of course, love in in this uh, in this uh, in the scriptures means to put others' desires before our own. Again, in our culture, this kind of seems a bit counterintuitive, doesn't it? We're sort of brought up to think that uh, if we all look out for our own desires, everyone gets what they want. Uh, we are called to, we are told by our, uh, our culture to look out for our own desires, to, to uh, look out for number one. Um, and that way, if everyone looks out for our own desires, we'll all get what we want. And that'll be all hunky-dory. 
But that's not really the case, is it? Um, in truth, if we all look out for our own desires, we all fight. If we all look out for our own desires, only the strong get what they want. Because only the strong win when desires clash. And so other people get hurt. And many of you, I'm sure, have been hurt by others looking out only for their own desires. Um, and Paul even talks about that in um, talking about the sexual and this, the things that we do with sex. We, uh, we can uh, defraud and wrong each other. Um, and, and there is the hope there that uh, God will uh, put those things right. God will, be a, uh, God will punish those things and God will bring vengeance. But still, there is uh, uh, this, this issue of people not getting what they want because other people do look out for their own interests. If we all look out for our own interests, only the strong get what they want. The only way for everyone to get what they want is the way of the Bible for us to put others before ourselves. Not, don't do what you want. Do what some, do what other people want. Or do what you want, but do it to others. As Jesus said, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do to them. <clears throat> um, again, this is uh, this comes out in sex and and work. Um, uh, for those of you who are married, who um, who are in a position to um, use sex in a correct way, um, even then, there's there's the possibility that we can hurt each other um, with sex. Uh, make sure that you. Uh, putting your spouse before yourself when it comes to sex. Make sure that uh, you are um, not hurting them by taking, by imposing your own desires on them. Um, it, sex is this this wonderful uh, institution by God where we can uh, show love to each other, and and the more love you show, the more love. You get back. It's a, a wonderful reciprocal thing that um, that is incredibly um, well designed by God for that per for that purpose of love. Um, and so uh, we should be seeking the good of the other person, uh, good of your spouse, when you are uh, making love to them. Uh, put them first. Be uh, others focused, even in your sex. Um, or, or when it comes to work, <clears throat> whether you're working, whether you're studying, um, I encourage you to be reliable. Uh, be someone who can be relied upon to put in as much work as is reasonably expected of you. <clears throat> um, be someone who will uh, put in effort. Be someone who will work hard. Um, and in that way, show that, that you are that you care about others, that you are willing to put others before yourself. Um, and in that way, don't be uh, someone who only takes from others, as, as Paul says. Don't, um, don't be someone who relies upon others for your well-being. 
Um, now, of course, that's not um, the same for people who are retired or, or who um, potentially are unemployed for whatever reason. You might be looking after um, someone um, who is sick or who is young or who is old. I mean, that's okay. That's a really good thing. That's a, a wonderful um, selfless thing that you can be doing. Um, enjoy your retirement if you're retired by by being others focused, doing things which are productive or which uh, even look after other people. Um, <clears throat> don't just waste um, your time. As I said before, um, this is about uh, looking, being mindful of others' desires above your own. So we're called to be mastered, uh, sorry, masters of our own desires and um, uh, and mindful of others. Thirdly, we need to be molded by God's desires. God's desires should be our highest aim. Verse one says, "What live in order to please God." This idea comes up all throughout the passage. It, um, and, and that's why it's <clears throat> permeating this message is uh, the idea of, of who we live to please, who we live to uh, fulfill our desires or, or God's. Um, verse 2, verse 3, verse 5, verse 7, verse 8, verse 9, all talk about what God wants um, and living in a way um, that you reflect what God wants. Verse 3, especially, um, Paul says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Now, that's a big fancy word. Uh, it, means, <clears throat> it means that we should be holy. Um, we should be separated from sin. We should be uh, serving God. We should live uh, the way that God lives. We should be loving as he is loving. We should be uh, sinless as he is sinless. <clears throat> uh, we should seek his good. <coughs> uh, now again, we're not going to be perfect in that, but but P Paul's desire. Even remember a couple of weeks ago when um, <clears throat> when David was talking from the end of chapter three, uh, and we read about Paul's desire and and um, indeed our desire for each other as we are uh, in this separated in separated in this time. Uh, Paul says in verses 12 and 13 of chapter 3, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. And may he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God when our Lord Jesus comes with all his saints. See, God's desire is that we should be blameless and holy. Paul's desire, our desire for everyone, is that we should be blameless and holy. <clears throat> um, and that is uh, something that we should aim for as well, that it, we should have God's desires as our own. Now, this challenge to put others' desires before our own, to, to put God's desires above all, of course, is not our natural way, is it? We we don't naturally, as people, give up control of our life. Uh, the very nature of humanity is to do what is best for me. 
Um, and so we need a radical change. We need to to completely alter um, who we are and, and how we live as people. Paul talked about earlier in Thessalonians, you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. In other words, you were chasing after something and now you turned, you did a U-turn um, and you, now you chase after the true God. That is um, what the Bible means when it talks about repentance. Uh, it's a change. It's a U-turn um, of your life. Not only that, but having repented, we need to, to continue in that. We need to continue to grow in that because, uh, as I said, we're not naturally doing that. We don't we will never be perfect at that. We need to grow in it. So Paul calls on the Thessalonians to do this more and more. Uh, may the Lord make your love increase. May he strengthen your hearts. <clears throat> this is not the language of, of being a, a once-for-all fix. This is a, a process of growth. By the power of the gospel, we need to grow. We need to change because God has changed us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. <clears throat> now, this whole passage, this whole sermon has been about things that we should do. Um, and I want to give you three motivations just to close. Three motivations why we should put God's desires above all. Firstly, in verse 6, we see that God will punish us. God will punish all the wrong we do when we seek only our own good. Uh, in the ESV, verse 6 says, The Lord is an avenger. Um, now, there's a lot of action movies um, around uh, which are based on revenge stories where the, the protagonist has, uh, has been wronged by the bad guy. <clears throat> Um, and so he goes out after this bad guy to try and get revenge. Um, and if you watch these movies, they, they tend to be really uh, brutal, really violent. Some of the most violent movies going around. Um, but f knowing that, knowing that God will have a revenge story at the end of time. God will have a revenge story on all who have wronged him, on all who have wronged others in their life. Do you really want to be the bad guy in that story? Do you want to be the guy that is uh, brutally um, chased down, hunted down, uh, and, uh, and brought to justice? As Paul says, this is a solemn warning. Now, there is hope in that, that Jesus offers peace through, the death, uh, through his own death. <clears throat> um, and that if you believe that, if you accept that offer of peace, uh, you can be forgiven, you can be uh, made right with God of all the times you've wronged him, wronged others as well. But there is still that warning, uh, as Paul calls on the Thessalonians to be mindful of God's vengeance. And that is the first motivation. Uh, secondly, we have a positive motivation. Um, because Jesus died and rose for you, your life is tied up in him. 
<clears throat> Let me read out a few passages um, from elsewhere in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 5 says, uh, One has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Galatians 2.20 says a very similar thing. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Jesus who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, Romans 6 as well uh, talks about how we were buried therefore with him, by baptism into death, in order that, <clears throat> just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. What Paul's talking about in all these passages is, is when Jesus died and we were unified with him in that death, we have died, uh, our sinful desires have died. And when Jesus was rose, risen, uh, and we have been risen with him, we've been raised with him, uh, we, just as Jesus has a new life, so we have a new life. We are bound up in him. Uh, Paul often uses this phrase in the New Testament, we are in Christ, we are in him, in Jesus. Um, and And we... Uh, and because we are in him, we should live like him. I remember when I was in high school um, and we were obviously had a uniform. <clears throat> um, and we were always told that when you uh, put on this uniform, whether you're on the school grounds or outside of it, you can be held accountable to the uh, to what this school stands for, uh, to the instructions of the school. And the reason for that, of course, is because uh, we've got the school logo on our on our chest, right? We've got this. We're representing the school by the 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 fact that we have the school logo on our chest, <clears throat> by the fact that we're wearing this uniform. Uh, the same is true then when we put on Christ. Jesus is our uniform. We are wearing his logo on our chest. Um, and so we need to live in a way that reflects on him. Who we sleep with, who we join our bodies to in sex, uh, reflects back on God, reflects on who he joins himself to. How we live and how we work during the day reflects back on God's attitude about work. How we try and and uh, do the good, do good uh, in our lives, and how we try and uh, improve the world around us in at work, reflects on God's love for the world, God's desire that He would uh, renew this world and re uh, and bring it into uh, into a joyful um, and perfect uh, state. <clears throat> And so we should live 
for God because we live in God. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and thirdly, we should live for God because his way is best. Uh, perhaps you read um, this morning from uh, Psalm 119, uh, the Old Testament reading this morning. Uh, and I think there's some great verses there that talk about how God's way is best. Verse 92 says, uh, If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Uh, but I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. God's law brings us life. Uh, verse 96, To all perfection I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. God's law is infinitely good. Verse 98, Your commandments are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. God's commands, God's instructions bring us wisdom. Uh, in verse 103, what a, a beautiful image this is. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter even than honey to my mouth. What a, a beautiful image that is of how good and how wonderful and delightful God's instructions are. So with all that um, in mind, let us be masters over our own desires as God has called us um, in sex uh, and, in, uh, and in our day-to-day -day lives. Let us seek the good of others. Uh, and above all, let us be people who desire what God desires, let us be his people.